Welcome to episode two of the Asbury Pod podcast with Amy Quinn. Before we get started, first, the legal disclaimer. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park. In my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park, they do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the city of Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not, and I repeat not, an official city of Asbury Park podcast. This does not represent the official position of the city of Asbury Park or the governing body. Asbury Pod. My name is Amy Quinn. I'm the deputy mayor here in Asbury Park, and I'm here with Joe Walsh. Hello. So we're here to talk all things Asbury Park Pride, but before we talk all things Asbury Park Pride with Carol Torre, we're going to go some through some really cool events and initiatives that the city's doing. Right. Uh, you want me to go? You uh, let me go through mine first, Joe. The first one is this Friday is the African American Musical Heritage Project with a longtime friend of ours. Jen Souter, and how do we know Jen Souter, Joe? Oh, uh, Jen lived down the hall from us in the Santander. Because everybody lived in the Santander at one point or the, another. The entire, uh, the entirety of Third Avenue used to live in the Santander. Correct. <laughs> so Jen is the founder of the African American Musical Heritage Project, and they are doing their launch party at the Danny Glinch Gallery on Friday, starting at six o'clock. One, it's an amazing gallery. Two, it's an amazing project, and she works with one of my favorite council people, Yvonne Clayton, on this project. So we want to make sure that people come out to that event. And Yvonne and uh, Jen were interviewed by NBC or CBS? CBS. They CBS. were interviewed by somebody. And it is going to air after that launch party. Right. So we'll clarify the date with the next episode for episode three. Absolutely. So I'm going to, I think, talk about interesting municipal topics for a change. Um, the first one is we banned plastic bags. When is that effective? That's effective January 2020. The reason it's taking a little bit of time to make it effective is so many of our local businesses bought in bulk. So we wanted to make sure they used all of that and then didn't buy again for next summer. Uh, we're feeing paper bags, which means um, if you go to the store and you don't bring a cloth bag, um, you are going to pay a fee of 10 cents or more for a paper bag. If you are living at or near the poverty level, you are not charged that fee. So if you're on food stamps or something like that, we're not going to charge you the fee, although we do strongly encourage you to use cloth bags. Is that the only proof, like WIC? Mm -hmm. or Essentially. Okay. Yeah, we're not going to like make you bring your taxes or anything. Um, so yeah, Plastic bags are going to be out. I have to give a, a very big thank you to the members of Surfrider who worked with us throughout this entirety project of banning plastic bags. And what was interesting about it was we started this project in November of 2018. We stopped because um, it looked like Murphy was going to accomplish something. And of course, he didn't. Um, so we had to go back to the drawing table and work on the ordinance again. We finally, finally finished the ordinance and the council uh, voted for it at our last council meeting. Interesting thing about ordinances, they get first and second reading. And you also can't cap the amount of time public session is on an ordinance. So the people who didn't like us banning plastic bags had unlimited time to tell us. And they told you. Oh, yeah. So that is the one interesting thing. The second interesting thing that we voted on at last week's council meeting is electric scooters, which 
seems to cause a little bit of drama with some people. I think everybody and anyone who knows Asbury Park is worried about the drunks, as is the city council and our transportation planner, mm -hmm. um, which I should also, also mention July is going to be transportation month for us here at Asbury Pod. We're going to talk all things transportation, and we're going to talk a lot more about the electric scooters then. But I'm just going to let you guys know that we are aware of all the drunks in Asbury Park. We are also frightened of them getting behind the wheel of a scooter. So we are shutting them down at 9 o'clock. We're also regulating their speed based on street. So if they're you're taking the scooter down Cookman Ave or Ocean Ave, we're going to cap your speed at probably 8 to 10 miles per hour. If you're driving down 4th, then you can go a little faster. Um, we're also preventing you from going places that you can't ride the scooter. So, for example, you can't ride it on the boardwalk, and it will shut down if you bring it. So this, I'm hoping, is an amazing project. I'm hoping it gets people to Esbury Park outside of their cars. And I'm really hopeful that the drunks don't ruin this project for us. So... Um Let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh, so when I was in Atlanta recently, I noticed the scooters um, all over town just left uh, wherever they were stopped. So that's the same model? So you can pick it up and drop it wherever you wish? No, there are docking stations. So that means, and the docking stations are gonna be connected to the current bike share. So you have to bring it back to the docking station. You have to take a picture of it and upload it onto the app because one of the major complaints that people had is that they're all over the city. And we're actually going to meet Michael Manzella, myself, and Chrissy Ballard, who was our city engineer, and she's phenomenal, are meeting Dawn Zimmer, who was the former mayor of Hoboken, who she is no longer the mayor of Hoboken, but still very involved in Hoboken government. She invited us up because they are the first town about three weeks ago to start scooters. And I'll be honest, Joe, it was a total shit show there. So she's invited us up to kind of talk to her a little bit about what worked and what didn't. So when we kind of un unveil this program, we have a little bit of a better idea on what worked and what didn't in Hoboken. Yeah, my, my first response in Atlanta was, I had no idea that it was a rideshare program. And I was like, what is up with people leaving their scooters all over the street? You know, like not on law, it, it was like a bunch of 10 year olds had just a you know, gone into their neighbor's house and left their scooters everywhere. So this this makes sense, and I'd be interested to see how this uh, turns out. Great. So that's all I got. What do you got? You mentioned styrofoam is next. Styrofoam is next. So we're looking forward to the comments uh, period on that as well. We're looking forward to the comments period on that. I don't think there's a lot of businesses that still use it. I, I can think of two that I'm not going to shame on Asbury Pod because I love those two businesses. I will privately shame them next time I go there for dinner. But I can only think of two restaurants that currently use styrofoam. Yeah, I think the long-term hope is that the state make, makes things uniform. It's odd when you have a hodgepodge. Well, that would mean Murphy would have to accomplish some stuff. <laughs> yes. Although I should say before I beat up Governor Murphy too much, he's been very, very good to the gay community. Yes. Um, and I, you know, I don't know enough about this particular issue at the state level to know, uh, you know what the what the um, obstacles might be. Um, so there's a couple things I wanted to talk about uh, on the calendar that are interesting. You, you brought up Asbury Amp, um, uh, so I want to draw attention to the Jersey Shore Film Festival starting on June 23rd here in Asbury Park, um, with venues at the Asbury Hotel, at America's Cup, the Baronet. Axelrod Performing uh, Arts Center over in Deal, the Berkeley, the Screening Room uh, in Oakhurst, Showroom Cinema, Film Salon in Deal, and Paranormal Books. So the website is Jersey Shore Film Festival. They have a lot of uh, nice things on tap, including uh, they'll be showing, um, again, uh, Here's the Story, the little documentary about our gentleman about town, Bob Ellis, which I, I think uh, I'm in. 
Oh, and we all love Bob Ellis. Yes, uh, he is a very interesting person. I mean, as a like someone who walked by Bob on the street and he talked to us, like that's of course he did. Who doesn't Bob talk to? <laughs> so, uh, other things on the docket: um, the Asbury Business Committee. Right. Yeah, I'm on the Asbury Park Business Committee, and we, um, I will tell you, as I've said before, there's a number of committees in Asbury Park. There's actually 17. The Business Committee is one of my more spicy ones. Um, having said that, we are organizing and also wanting to kill each other while we're organizing a event Tuesday night to bring all the Asbury Park businesses together at the Transportation Center. So if you own a business, if you work in a local business in Asbury Park, um, you are welcome. It's a, the whole idea is just to try and kind of unify businesses on Asbury Ave, on Main Street, on Ocean, and on Cookman, and every uh, everywhere else throughout town. We want um, everybody to kind of get to know each other, um, exchange contact information, and um, drink and have a good time. Yeah, and it looks interesting. I, you know, I saw the flyer for it, so when I was doing some research, I wanted to find out more about this. And I, you guys don't have a website, but you do have two YouTube messages promoting the Asbury Essentials Gathering, one from Charlie Sheen. I know, isn't that interesting? And another from Brian Baumgartner, who played Kevin on The Office. And why didn't I see those anywhere? I, you know, I, when I looked for Asbury Essentials, I found these videos. But, you know, the business community needs you just not on your website. You know, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. So who called Charlie Sheen <laughs> and was wanted him to uh, jump in on the Asbury Park uh, business scene? So one of our members of the Asbury Park Business Committee, um, Adam, who's amazing, who um, has his own uh, company, and I'm going to draw a blank on it, but I'm going to say it's Workhouse. Workhouse PR. Workhouse PR. He knows anybody and everybody, and he had both of those guys do these videos. And, um, you know, I, I thought they were great. I think I still think they're great. I will say that there has been some drama when we do post those videos that we just need to kind of be conscientious of the comments on them because people um, have a very strong opinion, really, of Charlie Sheen. Right. Well, I mean... You know, and why wouldn't you really? Why he, wouldn't you? But he is not going to be sleeping with prostitutes, snorting cocaine, and getting drunk at this. He's not even going to be at this event. You're, so you're saying it's going to be boring? Right? Probably. No, I think Probably. You know, turn the comment section off. But I, you know, I, Brian God, Baumgartner was pretty funny. Yeah, he's and, great. You know, so I thought those were interesting. Um, other things on the docket. So the, the film festival, the Asbury Essentials, uh, you know, Two other um, big things coming to Asbury. In June 21st is the 2019 New Jersey Digital Marketing Conference at the Berkeley Oceanfront. So if you're an entrepreneur and interested in marketing, um, you know, check them out. Uh, Coworks, our, our friends over here in, um, in Asbury, uh, are sponsoring this. And they're, you know, their entrepreneurial and business events are pretty interesting and dynamic. Um, you can find... Uh, they don't have a specific website that I have. I found it on the CoWorks website. So if you look up New Jersey Digital Marketing Conference uh, on the 21st, that's sure to be interesting. And then coming down the road, they also sponsor the Asbury Agile, which is a sounds like it's a bigger conference. That's going to be in October. More about that later. And maybe we'll have the CoWorks people on. And the last thing I wanted to talk about is <clears throat> Asbury Summer Stage. Of course, lots of interesting things coming on up this summer. And I did find one interesting... Um, Event the Sad Summer Festival is coming to the Stone Pony. I didn't know anything about them, so I looked up who they are. And you know, I'm old now, so aren't I'm, we all? I don't know a single band there, right? And 
I've also reached the age where I, I don't care. I'm not going to look them up. It's probable that I won't like them. Not that they're bad, but my my tastes have frozen somewhere. But they have have mine. Mine have also frozen probably sometime in the 90s. But can I bring up an interesting article that came out that I got irritated, posted online, then, then immediately regretted that. Um, and then called Madison Marquette, who own the, yeah. you know, who, who own the, the Stone Pony. Interesting article online that um, the number of women headlining acts has decreased, which is which is kind of shocking. Um, from 2018 to 2019, and Live Nation, who is the, the the organizer entity that books for the Stone Pony um, summer stage, um, has had decreasing numbers of, of women headlining. Hmm. So I got I read the article. It was on NewJersey.com this week. I posted online saying something like, "We need to do better because you know, in every other genre, women are women are killing it. So why aren't we providing more opportunities for women to kill it in this one?" And then got really schooled on how it works with um, bringing acts to towns in Asbury Park, and that it's really about managers. It's about offers. It's about so, for example, they put offers out to Joan Jett, but Joan Jett was coming for See Here Now, so she's not going to obviously come for this. Um, and so it was it was helpful to me to understand how that process works and, and not immediately beat up Madison Marquette, although th- there's many reasons to beat up Madison Marquette, but may- maybe this wasn't the one to do. And and what we kind of talked about doing was, you know, could they make more of an effort? And I think they, they make an effort and, and will you know, continue to, you know, hopefully make more of an effort of having opening acts um, headlined by women. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know. Well, I, I'm on board with, um, you know, I have a longstanding uh, petition that no one signed and I've never told anyone about. So in my head, is I want to bring Jill Scott to the summer, summer stage. Oh, that would be awesome. Right. She She's in Philly. She's local. She'd kill it. Um so that's just a side note in my own, uh, you know, that, so it'd be interesting to see so what comes So Madison Marquette and Live Nation, please know that Joe has this petition going. Yeah, it's right here, so. I'm imagining, <laughs> imaginarily signing it right yeah, now. Mentally sign that. Um, so the Sad Summer Festival is coming to the, uh, the Pony, uh, and, I, you know, I don't know any of the, uh, the bands, but they have an interesting partnership with lo- the localities that they're playing. They're, they partner with nonprofits and all the, the, um, the venues they're playing. So a different one in each town. So I looked up what they're doing here. And in Asray, on, they're coming on July uh, 17th, I believe. And they're partnering with L-E-A-D-D-I-Y, which stands for Lighting and Epilepsy Awareness Development in DIY. And it aims to educate those involved in music about the dangerous effects of strobe lighting and other visual stimuli at shows. LEAD distributes warning signs at venues, um, to venues, artists, and promoters to, to hang at shows using flickering or fast-moving lights as a way to give light-sensitive patrons an opportunity to remove themselves from potentially dangerous situations. So I thought that was an interesting uh, change from just the normal um, uh, show up and play. And you know, if you see the Sad Festival website, you can see the, uh, who they've partnered with at different uh, venues. In New York, they're playing in New York the day before. They're partnered with the Women's Prison Association, et cetera. So I thought that was an interesting change to just, you know, rock and roll. Yeah, it's fabulous. And I think the last thing I want to talk about is, like, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, I saw the trailer for that, that, that movie, Blinded by the Light, which is a Bruce Springsteen-based movie uh, and an effect of his music on uh, Pakistani youth in growing up in England in the 80s, which I thought was wonderful. Although 
I'm worried, you know, uh, that maybe we've seen the whole movie in the trailer. With the trailer was awesome, so I'm agitating for that to the world premiere, that to be here at the Paramount. That's another petition I have here somewhere. So I will also imaginaryly sign that petition as well. So I'm going to be honest. While I believe Bruce Springsteen has done a tremendous amount of good for Asbury Park, I am not the world's biggest fan of his music. That's right. A lot of people are not. Well, I just I feel like that could that. I run the risk of not getting reelected by saying that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say I, he does a tremendous amount for Asbury Park. I think there's a silent majority uh, in Asbury of people who don't like him. Actually, there's a vocal. Like, either love him or you hate him. Like, and I'm on the love him side. But, I'm on the love him side too. But there are people who just hate him, which I find a little odd. You can see not liking him, but uh, or not liking his music. But listen, yeah. the, the guy donates a lot of money to Asbury Park. Like, yeah. no question about that fact. And I just thought they they the. the the trailer was pretty awesome in terms of the connection to uh, kids across cultures. Uh, it was uh, well done. Uh, let's see if the movie's any good. But that's all I have for this week's uh, calendar. Anything else? Uh, no, but we're going to be back with a iconic woman named Carol Torre, who has lived in Asbury since 1975 because this is June and it's Pride Month. And we are highlighting all the ladies who are kicking ass and taking names in Asbury Park for Pride Month. So we'll be right back with Carol. Asbury Pod gratefully acknowledges the support of Words, Asbury Park's only independent bookstore, offering new and gently used books for all readers. Words also hosts a range of literary and social events for adults and children. Located on 623 Cookman Avenue, Words is open every day, save Tuesday from noon to 5. Stop by and say hello. We're back on this beautiful Saturday, June 15th, 2019, with a iconic woman, Carol Torre, who I've known for years. Um, we're celebrating all things Pride this month. Um, obviously, the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, too. We want to we wanna certainly talk about that a little bit. But um, one of the really interesting things about Carol is Carol has lived in Asbury Park since 1975? Correct. Okay, and you came from where and decided on Asbury, why? Okay, well, I actually was raised in New Jersey, East Rutherford, um, went to Monmouth University, and then decided to go to California. So technically, I came from California back to New York City because my significant other at the time had a job transfer, and her job was technically in New Jersey. So we decided we wanted to move to New Jersey and had to come up with the vibe that we wanted after L.A. and New York. So you picked drugs and prostitutes and crime by picking Asbury Park? Well, actually, no, I picked the opposite. We actually moved to Ocean Grove first. Oh, okay. Uh, we found a house. We moved there, but we got tired of having to move the cars. I mean, this was 1975. So we and had you to still had to move cars, which is ironic because it's 2019 and Ocean Grove still has that same problem. Yeah. So, um, so we decided let's go to Asbury. So we found a house in Asbury Park for ready for this thirty five thousand dollars. Not the one on Sunset. The one on Sunset that Fourth you lived Avenue. in. On Fourth, Fourth Ave. Avenue. On Fourth Avenue. Yeah. So we moved there, and that's where we stayed for quite a while. Okay. Until we moved into the hotel. But. And you opened businesses in Asbury Park about when? The first bar was 1979. That was 
That was the Allen Pussycat, which is where Brando's is located now. Okay. That was a little small neighborhood bar. And we were there until 81, and then we bought the hotel. Oh, wow. And, and, and up to the who hotel. did you cater to at the Allen Pussycat? It was a lesbian bar. It was a lesbian bar. Yeah. And open five days a week, seven days a week? Seven. Seven okay. days. We, um, at the time in Asbury, there was only one lesbian bar, and that was at the M&K on mm -hmm. the second floor. And the woman running it, Czech, she was a character, but she was hardcore women only. No men allowed, gay or otherwise. And so myself and my two, two partners, Kay and Camille, we decided that that wasn't the way to go. So she didn't allow any men of any sort in her bar? Not any, even though... What if they showed up? Well, the M&K was basically a men's bar, gay men. Uh, if they went upstairs, she was at the door. No way. You can't come in. Go downstairs. Oh, too funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, but uh, women could go downstairs. Yes. And, and dance or hang out right. or do whatever they were doing. Okay. Right. But the women mostly hung upstairs. Um, just, for, so, just for reference, where was the M&K? The M&K, the old M&K was on Cookman. The new M&K... And that was the old Lemon Cam talking about, is where the Monroe condos is now, on the corner of Monroe and uh, Sewell. Okay. Or and when heck. when M and K was on Cookman, where was it? Right across from that. Oh, okay. Facing Cookman. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, right. it was a, a unique bar. It had uh, uh, three bars: the men's club, disco, the women's upstairs, and then a kind of neighborhood bar downstairs, and there was a hotel attached to it. So you won't know this, Joe, but in the gay community, there's a little bit of a weird thing with gay men and lesbians. Um, yeah, I saw this when I was bartending at Sophie's Bistro up in Somerset, which was attached to the den. Same right. family owns both properties. I, I didn't know that existed until um, when it was... Uh, ladies night at the den on Wednesdays the um the unhappy men would be at my bar and I didn't realize and I heard some shocking comments I had no idea yeah and it's more generational I would say like I don't think um millennial gays have I think they party with each other but there is a generational thing with gay men and lesbians where they don't always social socialize in the same places would you say that's fair? right I think one of the other reasons for this division um, was to have your place and not lose it. So let's say you're a lesbian bar and it's a quiet night and 10 guys walk in, gay guys, and they're sitting at the bar. Now the women come and say, uh-oh, the guys are taking over our bar. Right. And they have all their own bars. Why are they taking over ours? And the same thing happens with the men's bar. Too many women are there. If the ratio isn't right, everybody gets nervous. Yeah, everybody. So I'll tell one very quick story. When Heather and I first moved to Asbury, I guess 2000, 2001, or I moved to Asbury first and then Heather moved from D.C., we, somebody, I think it was Tri-City, wrote up a story about this bar called Anybody's. So we wanted to, and Anybody's is where what is now Wesley Grove is. So we, you know, socially conscious lesbians wanted to support a, a gay bar, of course. And so we went, and it was divey, to say the least. Yes. A guy named Lenny uh, ran it. 
So we go in there and we walk in and it's, you know, one of those times where like the music stops and, and all of the men in the bar just stare at you. So you're like, okay, so I don't know how this is going to go. And we sit down and it was like a beer and wine bar. You didn't order drinks yeah. or anything there. And so we got our Coors Lights and, and we went outside. And outside is a, at the time, what we thought to be was a volleyball court. Mm-hmm. Um, right? This great volleyball yeah. court. So Heather and I have our beer and we come go home and a couple days later organize some sporty lesbians because you know uh, we had a lot of sporty lesbian friends at the time and we go back to play volleyball so we show back up similar to what carol is describing with a volleyball and um and organize volleyball so the guys are standing outside of the volleyball court so it's a little like sandy and then there's this area and they're all kind of glaring glaring and we're assuming they want to play so we're again asking them, do they want to play? Do you get come play this game? Come play this game. And they're just glaring. They're just glaring. So anyway, we hit the ball. Somebody hits the ball over the roof or gets stuck on the roof. Um, and we asked Lenny and he says, well, you can't go get it now. You know, we should go. Come back another day. He'll get, a, he'll get it. He'll, he'll get the Lenny. ball. Right. So we say, okay. So we pack everybody up and everybody glares at us on our way out. Come back a couple days later, another group of sporty lesbians again to play volleyball in the back. And we bring another ball just in case he didn't have a chance to he didn't have a chance to get the ball. And, you know, after four or five times of doing that, we realized that the volleyball court was not to play volleyball. That was really for something else. And we were preventing that from happening with a whole bunch of competitive sporty lesbians playing volleyball. So we stopped playing volleyball and we would sit at the bar and play back then they had the mega touches. Um, we would pay mega touch and then around eight thirty or nine, Lenny would tell us to skedaddle and we would and remain friends with Lenny for probably 10, 15 years. Well, well, the, the, the funny thing about what you're, what you're saying and you're right, it wasn't for bo- volleyball then. Uh, prior to that, the bar was down the street and that was John Hitchcock. And when we closed our bar, 98, we had no women's bar. So that clubhouse you're talking about, the small back bar, Mm -hmm. that was the clubhouse. John decided we would run that for women, Hmm. he and I. And so the women, that was their bar. And the front bar, which was the club, was for the guys, but everybody went either or. And originally the yard was, actually the sand was for volleyball. Um, I could see where they wouldn't want women playing volleyball because, again, it's that territorial they thing. They did not want women playing. Yeah. There was no question. Even when, there was, a women, even when there was a women's bar in the clubhouse, they would not have wanted the women playing volleyball. Yeah. The yard was to kind of cruise and yes. pick up and whatever. Whatever. Yeah. And by whatever, shockingly whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go back to... Um, First bar, you uh, M and K exists, but doesn't allow men on the second floor. You and your your girlfriends yes, decide K, that you're going to open. Yes, K and uh, Camille. We decided that this is nonsense. Okay, um, and we're saying okay, this is 1979. This is nonsense. So we decided that we were going to open a bar where women wanted to bring come in with their friends, guys or otherwise. They were welcome. And so that's what we did, and there was no such thing. You want to hear anything about no guys. 
And it worked out fine. The guys and came. these two women you continued to open bars with. Right. For okay. So Yeah, I kind of think of it all as one bar. Oh the really? Key Interesting. West, okay. Starting with the small bar on at Brando's, which was the Allen Pussycat. Then we moved up to the beachfront to the Albion Hotel, which had an Allen Pussycat bar in it. And then it had the front lobby bar and it had a, a disco. And where was the Albion Hotel? Second Avenue and Kingsley, between Kingsley and Ocean, right across from the Stone Pony. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a oh. parking lot now. And after that closed, we went to the M&K building, the new M&K. And, and the same women you opened all of these bars with. Correct. And, and the same the, bartenders, the same, and same everything. And these these were not, this was not your partner, just business partner. Well, Camille was the one that was my my lover, my, in those days, your significant other. Um, I met her in California, and that's who, we came back to New York because of her job. And we met Kay here. Kay, uh, Kay was like a big teddy bear. Um, she was just a wonderful person. She had been running a lesbian day at the Bond Street Bar. Uh, what is now the Bond Street Bar? Correct. Okay. It was a Bond Street Bar. Bar back then, too. too huh? Yeah. So she was running a one-night lesbian night, and the three of us decided, let's open our own place. So we were very different personalities. Kay, like I said, the big teddy bear, but she was law enforcement. I mean, the girls, she was big, and the girls would look at her, and Kay gave them a look, and they'd toe the line. Camille was the money person, the ordering she watched the books, she watched the money. Me, I guess I was the dreamer, okay, the optimist that we could do anything. And so that's the three of us kind of meshed together very nicely. Yeah, um, and it sounds like for years and, and yeah. ran successful. I mean, it's unheard of to run a successful lesbian bar. Yeah, especially it was 17 years. And I, I know there was a bar in San Francisco, Mauds, that ran about 17, 18 years. I think we were the longest running complex that was a hotel, bar, and restaurant. Okay, so tell us about some of the, and you can, this is not a kid's podcast on Asbury Pod, but tell us about some of the craziest shit you saw at these bars, Carol. Well, okay, at the We'll focus on the Albion because that was the main time frame. Oh, and can I just bring up assless chaps? No, no. Are you no, just one time? I'm going to bring up assless chaps. I'm probably going to bring it up several times. But when we used to go to Pride in 2000, 2001, tons of assless chaps. I went to Pride 2019, not not one set of assless chaps. Yeah, um, I don't know why there's not more, but. I think back in the early days, the guys liked to be a little outrageous, you know, kind of get everybody excited and, you know, kind of in your face a little bit. So that was the assless chaps. But in general, I don't really see even the leather guys and anyone really doing the assless and, chaps anymore. Yeah, I don't know why, because the, certainly they, they have no qualms about it. So I think it's just something that just when it's way. I mean, they do wear chaps. They're not assless that I've seen. Yes. Yeah, and here. I go to a lot of the Leather Guys events when they have them. Yeah. So I, perhaps I you and I should start bringing assless chaps back. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Maybe we should start wearing them. Maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, craziest shit you saw at the Albion Hotel. Okay, so there were a couple things that were crazy at the Albion. Um, so, and they're, and they're not actually gay related. Um, we were a lesbian bar and hotel. So, all right, so we had the straight white accountant's bachelor party. Hmm. That was a crazy thing. An accountant's bachelor party was crazy. In a lesbian bar. In a lesbian bar. Okay. Accountants. Did they very, know it was a lesbian oh bar? Oh, yeah. Okay. They're very serious kind of guys. Of course. Accountants. Of course. Okay. They don't have much of a sense of humor. Sorry, accountants. But anyway, uh, so my, my accountant came to me and said he wanted to throw a bachelor party for his partner. He said, can we throw it here? I said, all right. So we decided to have it in the rainbow room downstairs because we didn't really use that and it had a separate raised section with a bar. So we set it up. He and his accountants came. He wanted me to find a stripper. I said, not my thing. Male or female? Male. Fe female, because they were straight stripper. males. Yeah, oh. they wanted to. Oh, your accountant was wanted to have a back. Oh, okay. I assumed yeah. he was gay. Okay, all right. Still so, following that one. So they bit. found the stripper. He's an accountant. He can't read social cues. Right. <laughs> so he found the stripper. And I brought them Michael Joel. Now, Michael Joel uh, was a drag queen um, who did Diana Ross. He was absolutely, totally talented and beautiful. And so he came and he did a performance as Diana Ross and the accountants all fell in love with him. They oh, could care I? less about the straight white stripper. They fell in love with him. And they kept saying to me, you're just kidding us. We know he's not a man. I said, I'm not kidding. He's a man. No way, no how. And they were just head over heels in love. They wouldn't believe me. They never, ever believed that he was a man, but they, they had a great time. So that was, that was a crazy thing. Another crazy thing we had, uh, the barbershop quartets. They, okay. They had a convention over a convention hall. I don't even know what the barbershop quartets are. What is that, a group? Yeah, well, barbershop quartets are groups of four that sing. And... Um, they sing Sweet Adeline. Yeah, Sweet Adeline. Oh, Correct. really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so there was a whole big group of them that were at this convention, mostly men and some women groups. So... A bunch of them asked if they could use my hotel to practice because they were competing at convention hall and they needed a practice place. And I believe some of them actually stayed at the hotel. Now again, we have these barbershop quartet guys staying in this lesbian hotel. And they were funny because everywhere they went, anytime four of them got together, they'd start singing. Okay. And it was like the funniest thing in the world. And they got along great. Nobody had problems. And it was. And when you say a lesbian hotel, how many rooms? So you basically rented to, I mean, you rented to whoever, I guess, wanted right. a room, but uh, you basically catered to lesbians, even renting hotel rooms. Correct. The, okay. the, the hotel was 99 rooms. But when we took it over, it had been vacant for a couple of years, we had to make it conform with fire code. So it, we had to make suites. So we wound up with 65 units. Um, mostly it was lesbians, but we also rented out some of the suites permanently. 
Hmm. People lived there, and that was a mixture. Mostly lesbians, but there was guys, there was some drag queens, there were all kinds of different people, and everybody got along. The overnight rooms were mostly lesbians. They'd and come they down were coming to, the, to town to go to the bars and exactly. They, they would got come lucky. down. They would. The same people would come on weekends and rent a room because the rooms were were basic. No TVs, no telephones, and so they would be able to drink and not worry about driving and just have a good time. Mm, good. And we also, if somebody got a regular, well, any if somebody got drunk in the bar. And there was no way for them to get where they had to go. We would just comp them a room. Oh, wow. For Good the for night you guys. So they wouldn't drive. So my fir- our first guest on the, on, as for Pride Month on Asbury Pod was Laura Popel, who founded the Asbury Park Pride. Correct. Do you know? You're, you're, I know you're, her very you know, well. okay. Yes. So with she, her and Laura. Her uh, and Laura, yeah. Yes. So yeah. she came on, she talked, we also talked in depth about assless chaps as well and, and where they're all going, but we also <laughs> talked about the first Pride in 1991. Now, were you around for this first Pride? Totally. Okay, tell us totally. about it. Um, the, the first Pride, and I, and I think now it's, it's very big Pride and a lot of corporate sponsors, but the first, I'd say five years of Pride, all the funding came from the gay bars. Hmm. We raised money all year long so that we could have um, the Pride celebration. And the first Pride, they, when we first heard about having a Pride Parade in New Jersey, we were in competition with New Brunswick because the- Did New Brunswick have like a big gay area? Well, that's, where the, that's where the den was The den, but Yeah, what? and Todd's bar. Um, and Who knew? Laura, because it's not gay at all now, is it? No, I, I don't know. The den is closed. I don't know any gay people flocking in New Brunswick. Well, the, the thinking was, first of all, it was mid-state, so it was okay. central. Okay. The second thought was Laura and, um, uh, I can't think of his name, uh, Rod. Anyway, they had been working on certain bills that had to, She talked about that, yeah. Had to be passed, discrimination bills. And... The first gay pride came after a major one had been passed. Their headquarters for all of this, for the the politics and the lobbying, was in New Brunswick. They had offices in New Brunswick. So that's why it was between Asbury Park and New Brunswick. We convinced them that Asbury was truly the gay capital of New Jersey. And remains so. Exactly. And even people who didn't live in Asbury Park associated as... Asbury Park is their gay home. Right. So so we won that battle, and we had the first uh, uh, gay gay uh, pride parade. Uh, every year we did... And you had the festival, or you just had the parade for the first year? No, we had the park and the parade. You had the park yeah. and the parade, yeah. okay. The parade was very tiny. I mean, to be honest, and even in 2000, you, you blinked and you missed that parade. Yes, I mean, the exactly. parade this time around was about an hour and 15 minutes. Yes, this was the Yeah, this the was what This was, I truly think this was, at least in my recollection of going to these for, say, 20-ish years, um, this was our biggest. Yes, Our biggest, I, I hands so. down, because you had streets lined. Usually there's gaps somewhere yeah. around first to, like you know, 
close to the bridge, there's large gaps, but you had wall to wall people the entire right. walk of the parade, yeah. which was, and it didn't rain, which is unheard right. of because it rains yes. every fucking year for yes. Pride. So it never used to rain, but in the past couple of years, we've <sighs> been getting rain every year. Every year, yeah. Laura was talking about. Um, we made her talk about what guests were were pains in the asses and and when she described what guests were pains in the asses a lot of it had to do with the weather guests that yeah. just would leave yeah. uh you know when i say guests i mean like ho uh ta the talent the talent yes, at the time right that um they kind of they kind of drove her crazy so um, pride in 1991 yeah. it's small right and and one of the things we did every year as a, uh, our final fundraiser before pride the pride used to be the last uh, Sunday in May. Then it got changed to the first Sunday in June. But the week before that, we would do a carnival. We were then at the new M&K after we left the hotel. And the new M&K had a big backyard. And so we would do a carnival and set up all kinds of carnival kind of booths, games, dunking booth. Um, and we had a pig roast. Uh, so we'd roast a pig. Anyway, that event raised a lot of money. So that was kind of our annual event uh, for for the uh, Gay Pride Parade. What do you think but about Gay Pride being so family-friendly? So what? Family-friendly. I don't have a problem with that because a lot of gay people have children now. A lot of gay people have children. And so it's important that they can get together and 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 meet with each other and i i don't see why we wouldn't want to be family friendly are we overly family friendly yeah we we're are. a little overly exactly. family friendly exactly we could have a little bit more even up in provincetown there's always the family week right and uh and we were laughing we were up in provincetown last week and we saw a, two guys with a little girl and the little girl had on this crazy outfit and pants and the shirt. She must have been four, didn't match. She was a mess. We said, well, definitely her fathers aren't gay because she wouldn't look like that right, walking right, right. down the street. Right. <laughs> so, Carol, we're going to move a little bit on to municipal issues because okay. um, you have since abandoned Asbury for Ocean Grave or Grove, as it's often referred to. So yes. there are a group of women, mainly lesbians, that we call the Grovers that all live in Ocean Grove, who all come out, who complain a lot. Um, but they're okay. What are we thinking about Ocean Grove? Okay, so... Two things. First of all, I consider Ocean Grove kind of an extension of Asbury Park in terms of the residents. And that goes back to what I said about Asbury Park being the gay capital anyway. Right. So I don't feel a separation. Um, I moved to Ocean Grove because we wanted to downsize. Mm -hmm. I needed a single level branch house because I have bad arthritis. And they're hard to find in Asbury. They're very Park. hard. Heather and I were looking for, but years ago we were looking for a single family when my dog, I had a 
a pointer named Bailey at the time that I couldn't, he couldn't go up steps anymore. Right. Well, you remember Bailey. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were in the Santander. He died in the elevator of the Santander. Oh my God, I did not know. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. He died in the elevator of the Santander. Anyway, I digress, but we were looking for ranches at the time too because the elevator was forever going out in the Santander. Yeah. So I'm carrying right. an 80 pound dog up steps. And um, I couldn't find, we couldn't find a ranch right. in the Santander and, either. And, and we couldn't either. Our house on Sunset was two levels, but the, it was a two family. So our, our living space was one, one level. So we had no choice. Plus we were downsizing money and size. So we found this cute little cottage in Ocean Grove. Ironically, they moved again. So they suffered through the two years the bridge was closed on Sunset, right? Yes, we did. Right? Which I got several emails about the debacle of that bridge. And then you moved by another bridge. That being redone. Yeah, being redone. People keep asking us to move to their neighborhood that needs new roads or new bridges. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah. You should join us next week for transportation. Week. You should join us for transportation. We're doing all things transportation for July. Well, Mickey, Anyone who needs a yeah. bridge, Carol and Mickey should move near them. Mickey was the, the one who did all the observation and reporting every day. She did. Of progress. Uh, or lack anyway, thereof, yeah, which was often thereof. the reports. Yes, exactly. Um, but anyway, I haven't abandoned Asbury. I'm still a commissioner on the You are. You are. I'm just busting your uh, Authority. So I'm very much involved in Asbury as much as I've ever been. And so as a person on the council in Asbury, how do you, what are your thoughts on the governments over the years in Asbury? Because I think we've had some really good people on the council and then some nutters. We had in the beginning years, I came to Asbury, like we said, in 75. We had some very bad councils, um, very self-serving people who were looking to make money. and Many of whom ended up in jail. Yeah, and sold the, the city down the river because everyone says that the riots caused the demise of Asbury Park. I don't believe that. What caused the demise was the politicians after the riots and taking advantage of the city and the position they were in, and uh, they furthered the uh, reputation of what happened, which was not at all the way they told the story. And John Moore talks about to me the the in the 80s the board you wanted to be on was the planning board because that was whose pockets got lined the deepest so your projects could go through and you didn't have to meet any sort of requirements you just you built whatever you wanted to build yes and and exactly I I had my hotel I was building it I had to go through planning I had to go through code it was a nightmare because yeah. they didn't want me I was not. A friend of mine who was also building said, you have to pay them. I said, I'm not going to pay them, okay? He said, but that's you gotta pay the them. way you do it. Yeah, Grow yeah. up. I said, I'm not doing it. Uh, and I did what they asked me to do. And even if I paid them, I don't know if that would have worked. They didn't want me there. And, and was that a lesbian thing? You know, it took me a long time to figure it out. And I still totally haven't. But I think it was more a woman thing. Okay than a lesbian thing. I don't think they wanted a woman there. Hmm. Because I'd go to council meetings, they'd insult me. I had a, uh, one of the council people at a meeting call me girly. I mean, it was crazy. Um, so, so I think that, that it was really more female. And, all, and also, they were the power players, and they knew who they wanted where. Uh, I didn't fit into the scheme. Right. 
No, I think um, there's room there for a, maybe a documentary about you know about Asbury. That, you know, between '73 and you know 2003, like what what had gone wrong? Because we, we we had a when we first moved down here, we had a friend from Portland, Oregon, come down, and she could not understand why Asbury was in the situation it was. She's like, but she goes, if it's waterfront property, it makes no sense. She goes, anywhere else in the country. And you have this kind of real estate, you would not have this kind of stagnation. She couldn't. There was a you know cognitive disconnect. She did not understand how this was possible, and it, it's a rather unique situation that could stand like uh, you know some scrutiny. Say, well, well, how did this happen? Right. And I think you're correct. Like, what happened after the after the riots to make things worse? You know, and essentially almost abandon the waterfront in a in an odd way. You know, we come down anyway. That's another podcast, but. I well, well, actually, what you're saying is correct because one of the things after the riots that the council did, at the same time, all the mental institutions were deregulated, right. okay, and people were being put out on the streets. No place for these people to go because nobody wanted them. The politicians in Asbury Park cracked deals with the state. They got paid X amount per bed, and they took all the hotels yeah. that were no longer being used because of the riots, and they made them into homes for the um, the, the, the mentally uh, disturbed people. And so then that reputation came that we had all these people that were dangerous. Well, the truth of the matter is the people weren't dangerous. Yes, they had problems, but they were not dangerous people. They were just people with quirks and, and issues. After that, the councils started changing and became, okay, better councils, but then they had a fear thing going on. Now, the new councils that came in, they were afraid that they wouldn't be able to bring Asbury back. That's when we got to Carol and Carabetta and had our redevelopment, and the redevelopment failed because the council wouldn't enforce the contract, the rules. They were solid rules on how to do this but they were so afraid that they would lose the developer that they gave them anything they wanted so there's a mentality in asbury that um still exists that i come across a lot which is um we should just be grateful that they're here right we should just correct, be grateful correct. for iStar. and and carolyn i've talked about this before but it's a really difficult mentality to fight um, especially as somebody who came in 2000, Asbury was, was all, still a, a, a certainly interesting island of misfit toys place, which was great, but had a lot of crime, right? right. I, I came from Jersey City, Dyfus, moved down here, and my Dyfus friends wouldn't come to Asbury to visit me, right? right. That's the reputation that we had. But you, so, so when people, most of the people who have this mentality are, I would say, 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, who I am, I, I often get frustrated with in, in the um, feeling of we should just be grateful for I Star Madison when, you know, if I Star Madison walk away from Esbury Park, we'll be fine. We, we might even be better. It, it, it was absolutely, it was the same thing. It was Carabetta of the Carol as right. opposed to I Star Madison Marquette, and I remember being at a meeting in 1991, a council meeting. 1991, in the contract, there was a, a place where we could have stopped what wasn't going on. And I remember the council saying, Bob, if we do this, and I remember saying to the council, what is wrong with you? 
We are 55 miles south of New York City, a mile on the ocean front. What makes you think no one wants us? We are a very desirable property. I said, hold your heads up, hold your breath, and go forward. But they wouldn't. Yeah, it's a and maybe and that's probably a different podcast as well, but a podcast on that mentality and how you successfully fight it, because I'll be honest, I have not successfully fought it. I've not been able to communicate. We're fine. Whoever walks away, we're fine. We're going to be fine. No, no problems. But that that is probably a podcast for a different day. Before we wrap this up, Carol, we are asking. Let me just add something about that. Um, In my mind. Asbury Park was always wonderful. Right. When we were at our worst, when everybody thought we were the dredges of the earth, this was a wonderful place to be. It was a wonderful place to live. And we really didn't give a damn what anybody thought. We I, I, have, I have to agree. When I, my, when I moved, first moved down, and I'm probably, the, in terms of residency, the youngest right here. So I, you know, 12, 13 years ago, the same thing, my friends wouldn't come, and I was just fine. I'm like, fine, don't come. You're missing out. It's wonderful. Like, I, I loved walking around, never had a problem. Exactly. I never understood the, the outside reputation, uh, the, you know, the, the irrational fear that everyone outside of Asbury had about Asbury, but I was also perfectly content. Okay, fine. Uh, this is ours, right? You know, you get like proprietary pretty quick when you move here. Yeah. And you, you're right. So, uh, it, it was the loveliest place, which is why we stayed. Right. You know, and. Um, so that's an interesting, you know, and, and when you talk to people who've been here a long time, that's, you know, that's what you've always, always known right. that, right? So it's a shame, you know, that, you know, that reputation. Now it's the opposite. Oh, <laughs> you know, no, yeah. everybody won't. Yeah, yeah. Nobody come right. to Asbury anymore. Jesus Christ, the, the gates are closed. <laughs> but, but Asbury actually in the 80s, when no one else was, was very gay friendly. There was never a gay issue. We played pool with the straight bars. We had a league. Well, the one thing I'll counter with you, and I'm not the yeah. 80s, but when we came in the early 2000s, the level of protesting for pride. So this year, I, I tried to count, and I counted, I think, nine. Nine protesters. A couple on Cookman, one right. maybe by 4th, and then a couple by the Asbury Hotel. No more than, say, three per per stop. An, I mean, anti-gay protesters. Anti-gay uh-huh. protesters, right. Now, when I, when, in 2001 and two, I remember much larger groups of protesting being on the outskirts But of they the weren't festival. Asbury Park people. They were not Asbury Park right. people, they right? They were not. You were absolutely, and, and nor were yeah. the ones this year. They were right. absolutely not Asbury Park yeah. people, just, but large yeah. numbers of them. Like, yeah. I remember. But living in Asbury, no, that didn't exist. Uh, as I said, you could go to a hardcore uh, Maloney's, which is now the Crossroads or whatever, it's a Spanish bar now. I think that closed down. That it's actually go- going. It's oh, you know, a group of lesbians bought like that block and they're redoing it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that which, that which bar, block is this? it's it's where it used to be Paulie's, which was a very short-lived gay bar, Cascada. It's gone, and it used to yeah, be yeah, across bar. from the Cameo Bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, a whole bunch of lesbians bought it. It just got through planning. It's going to be a restaurant. I got to wrap this up because okay. we have to let Jan into okay. Jan's store right. opens in thirty seconds. Okay. Um, okay. So, I'm sorry. So we're going to digress yeah. on that. Uh, every guest has to answer uh, thoughts for the 2020 election presidential. <laughs> there is only a light topic to end. There yeah. is only one thought. Anyone but Trump. I- I'm sorry. I tried. I tried to have an open mind. Um, not just the gay issue, not just the women issue. There's just way too many issues, and 
He's just not appropriate. Okay. And, and you're not leaning towards anyone. I'm le- I like Joe Biden. I, I, I don't know if he's my choice. I like Mayor Pete. And I'm actually starting to like Elizabeth Warren. Aren't we all? So I was also not a Warren fan, and she is number one on my she's list. She's opened up. She's she's, done, she's she, she is kicking ass and taking she names. She loosened up. She was too tight. She was too um, focused, and now she's opened up. And so I have a totally different uh, view on her. All right, we have to wrap up because Jan donates this space for okay, us. But we want to ask anyone to send us questions, comments, tell us off, tell us to go fuck ourselves, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, the hate mail at and love asburypod letters. Asbury at gmail We're going to be doing two shows a month through summer. If we can get more than five people to listen to those two shows, then we'll keep this going. And if not, we'll shut it down. We're sending this out to the seven to ten people we know who Correct. are listening this week. So. Okay. Or we'll listen to it five times so it looks like it's been. Listened yes, to exactly. Five times. Yeah, we got to run up those iTunes numbers. Thank you, Carol. Okay, thank you, Amy.